The presidential motorcade has just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. Jesse Smollett. He is from the TV show Empire. Apparently around 2 a.m. a few days ago, he was attacked, beaten, outside a Subway sandwich shop in Chicago. Two masked men. They took ropes, tied it around his neck, apparently, and then they poured bleach on him. And supposedly, they said, MAGA, or MAGA country, something to that effect. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Very interesting when you get into the details of this story, because there's a lot to it, and a lot of it seems to be up in the air. Because some of the information that was provided to the Chicago PD didn't even mention anything about MAGA. Didn't mention anything about political affiliations. It just showed that he was beaten. And, you know, when you get into some more of the details, there starts to be issues as to the length of time between when the ropes were shown in videos the fact that uh, police body cameras were turned off. I mean, a lot of things make this a fluid situation and make this pretty, uh, pretty unbelievable. So um, when one looks at this, you have to look at the fact that this gaslighting started to really take hold. And when I talk about gaslighting, I'm talking about the phenomenon where a narrative is set. And the narrative is basically Trump supporters, MAGA hat wearing people. We've talked about this quite a few. MAGA hat wearing people are racist. And I've said in my own personal life, in my own church, I've seen 60, 70 year old individuals who just wanted a return to some sort of order in the United States wearing MAGA hats. I've seen people walk into grocery stores wearing MAGA hats. And these people were the furthest from a racist individual. But yet, that's not what the media is going to give us. The media has found a way to vilify someone who takes pride into who they voted for. We didn't see this under Obama. None of this ever happened. Nobody was talking about, oh, well, you know, Obama says hope and change. And then all of a sudden, anytime we see a big O... We're just assuming that that's racism. In fact, we thought that the majority of the people that were voting for Obama were doing so to eradicate racism. Little did we know it would be extra heightened. And so what happens is the narrative is set. The media finds an incident like they did with the Covington kids, like they did with, uh, you know, um, like they're doing here with Jesse Swalette. They're basically finding an incident where MAGA hats were involved and someone of a different ethnicity was in a situation. In fact, with Jesse Smollett, 
We don't even know if somebody was even a MAGA supporter, whether or not they even had MAGA hats on. The people that they're looking at are people with masks on in the videos. In the videos, surveillance footage all over the area that Chicago PD can't find anything that really shows that these people were Trump supporters. They're showing that um, it's hard to, dif- to differentiate between the motives. They're not seeing anything. And in fact, the, win- the window for the alleged attack, for 60 seconds, Smollett was not on a surveillance video camera. The cops say there's no, no actual good footage. Now, they're saying that he was talking to his manager and that while he was talking to his manager, his manager heard this information, but that's, you know, your word against ours. But the narrative is set. The media has found another incident that they can capitalize on, and now everyone decides they want to chime in. And I'm talking that goes from people in the industry, obviously, He is on the TV show Empire, so all types of celebrities are already rushing to his aid. Then you get think pieces by GQ magazine and other uh, different publications, Vice and Vox, down the line. And then you get the politicians jumping in. This happened exactly the same way when uh, Nick Sandsman was out there waiting for his bus with this Catholic school, and they were told, hey, go take a look at some sites. And then meet us over here by the Lincoln Bridge. The buses will come up and pick you up. The black Israelites, the black Hebrew Israelites start taunting them and throwing different things at them as far as, you know, calling them the uh, a fag and calling them incestual and all these different things. Dusty crackers, you know, all of that stuff was thrown at them. Then this guy comes rolling up with his little drum He starts pounding the drum. Oh, guess what? I'm a Vietnam War veteran and I'm an indigenous individual elder from Omaha. So I'm even more of an American than you are. Then you find out that there's some questionable activities as to whether or not he's an activist, whether or not he's politically motivated to show up at events like the Dakota Pipeline protest. Then you come to find out that he's not even a Vietnam vet. He's a freaking refrigerator repairman in the military. Now, there's nothing wrong with being in the military and providing support of those, uh, you know, those activities, that nature. But we also have to look at the fact that don't go around saying you're a Vietnam vet. And of course, the media is saying, well, he never really said he was a Vietnam. That's that's crap. He totally said he did. And the media backed it up. So the same thing here. We have a gay black man on a TV show called Empire who gets beaten up. And then all of a sudden they say he puts a noose around his neck and he gets poured on with bleach and they said MAGA. And so what happens? GQ puts out this this article, the racist homophobic attack on Jesse Smollett is a far right America problem. And then who chimes in? Ms. Palestinian herself, Rashida Tlaib, Ms. Boycott, Divest and Sanction Israel. Ms. I'm going to get sworn in on the Koran and wear a Palestinian dress to thumb my nose at everybody in America and show that me and Ilhan Omar, we're the new breed coming into the House of Representatives and we can't stand Israel. These people are now jumping in on this whole thing. And what's interesting is Rob Elgis. Rob Elgis is a reporter from ABC Chicago, Channel 7. And he had a little thread to give you an idea 
behind some of the details behind this. I'm going to read a little bit of this for you. Chicago PD says detectives did a follow-up supplemental uh, interview with Jesse Smollett where he did, in fact, tell police his attackers yelled MAGA country. Chicago PD also said when Smollett contacted police at 2.42 a.m., he was still wearing a rope around his neck. The alleged encounter occurred at 2 a.m. The police have the rope and it will be analyzed. All of the above is attributable to the Chicago police spokesman. And then he goes on further to say, ABC reports the FBI has taken over the Jesse Smollett case in Chicago. Chicago police say that um, the investigation actually does remain with the Chicago police. The FBI hasn't totally jumped in, but they are assisting. So we want to clarify that. Chicago police have a security image of Smollett alone inside a Subway sandwich shop near the location of the reported crime. Police have also obtained additional video placing him at the scene of the crime. Chicago police do not have any video of the assailants and continue to look for surveillance video. Investigators heard the MAGA country claim in media reports and called Smollett again. In that supplemental interview, he shared info with the police. Now, later that evening, ABC7 Chicago has learned that Jesse Smollett requested responding Chicago police officers turn off their body cameras as they arrive to take his report. A spokesman said this is not uncommon when officers enter a private residence. Chicago PD spokesman says per department policy, officers informed Smollett they were wearing activated body cameras. He did request the cameras to be turned off. Police responded to the initial call from a man who was with Smollett inside the apartment. He would eventually self-transport to Northwestern Hospital. As Chicago police expand their search for the men who allegedly attacked Jesse Smollett, a spokesman said this morning there have been no obvious people that could have been assailants discovered. Detectives have poured over hundreds of hours of surveillance video. Chicago police have located surveillance cameras that show potential persons of interest wanted for questioning an alleged uh, Smollett attack. Now, a police spokesman said a community alert with photos is being constructed and will be sent out. Images of the two potential persons of interest show them walking in the general area where Smollett is. It does not show an assault. Also, the quality of the images is not great. Police say detectives want to talk to people on surveillance. Um, They are not calling them suspect. There is also an allegation of a hate crime, and the community alert will be issued upon that. The Chicago police community alert that include images of two potential persons of interest in the Smollett case expected in 30 minutes. And of course, that happened later. They were issued and we see these different images and it's really fuzzy, really difficult to really pin down as to whether or not these people can be uh, identified. ABC reporting Smollett's music manager, Brandon Moore, has confirmed a Variety magazine report that he was on the phone with Smollett during the alleged attack and heard some of the incident. He tells ABC he gave his account to the Chicago PD. We are trying to confirm that. Moore also said he heard the words MAGA country. He says he heard clearly and heard the racial slur. The reporter spoke to Chicago PD and can share more details. He says he confirmed Jesse Smollett and his music manager, Brandon Moore, told detectives they were on the phone during the attack. Detectives are unable to identify, 
I independently identify the call because the call occurred, you know, during Smollett and he refused to turn over his phone. Now to the surveillance camera images, the potential persons of interest are fuzzy. Detectives use time codes from two different cameras to piece together Smollett's movements when he was near them. One camera was seated at the bench. The other camera shows Smollett across the street. Police say both Smollett and the persons of interest walk out from the frame on a different camera. Smollett would reappear on a different camera about a minute later. So about for 60 seconds, Smollett was not on surveillance camera. So the next time Smollett is seen on camera, he is entering a condo building. Police say he now has a rope around his neck and is wearing it like a necktie. About a minute, maybe less, has passed since he was seen on video. Smollett, according to investigators, walks into the building, walks by a building security, gets on an elevator. This video is better quality, according to detectives, and what appears to be road salt on his sweatshirt. Smollett would go to an acquaintance home, and that's where the police would arrive to take his report. So there's a lot of different issues going on with this event. And one of the things we have to realize is Smollett, not a fan of Donald Trump whatsoever. He's got some uh, interesting tweets that he has put out. And when you look at motive, we have to look at the fact that um, a lot of times what is lending itself to be a motive could be more self-serving. Did he get attacked? Could very well have been. But was he attacked by a MAGA guy? Not so sure about that. Here's two of his tweets. I think someone should kick Donald Trump's ass. That is all. Shut the hell up, you B-I-T-C-H-S N-word. You will continue to run this country further into the ground and risk lives every time you breathe. You are not the president. Just a dumpster full of hate. F-O-H. Sick to my stomach that literal S-H-I-T currently represents America to the world. And this is in response to a tweet that Donald Trump put out. So obviously, this guy has some motivations that are questionable. And whether or not this relates to an actual event that MAGA people are responsible for remains to be seen. But that's not going to stop the media. Of course, just like the Covington Catholic kids, the media is going to run this story and they won't care about fact checking. They won't care about details. They won't care about truth. They will only care about vilification of anyone with a MAGA hat. Sponsor for this portion of the program is Cat Coolers. These things are amazing. Cat coolers are durable. These things are like a freaking rock, and they keep things cool for hours and hours. So say you were going fishing. You know, here in Virginia, we can go fishing on the bay, on the intercoastal waterway. We can go out into the ocean, do some deep sea fishing. You know, either way, you want something that's going to do the job, and cat coolers will keep everything cool. Maybe you're going to the beach. Again, like I said, here in Virginia, We head to the beach quite a bit. My family, we go down every weekend during the summer if we can. So do I want a cooler that's only going to hold for an hour or so and suddenly turn all the sandwiches into a soggy mess, have everything lukewarm and in a pool? No, I want something that's going to keep things ice cold. Maybe you have 
you know, a, a job site that you have to go to, that you have a crew that goes along with you. And you want to make sure that your crew's food, drinks, maybe they're, you want to keep them hydrated. You want to make sure that everything's nice and cool. Catcoolers.com is where you go. Get yourself one. Use the promo code Adrian. You get 10% off any cooler. Catcoolers.com, promo code Adrian for 10% off. There is a lot more to this issue with Jesse Smollett. Check this out from the UK Daily Mail. Smollett was filmed on surveillance cameras walking home from Subway around uh, you know, 2 a.m. on Tuesday. Two suspects were filmed by a different camera sitting on a bench on the same street, but on the opposite side from where Smollett was. They were then filmed standing up and walking down the street at the same time as them. Then all three walked out of the camera's view, according to ABC. Smollett was picked up by surveillance cameras no more than a minute later as he walked into his condo building with a rope around his neck. He had road salt on his sweatshirt, which he indicated had been thrown to the ground. The Empire Star then waited 40 minutes before a friend called 911 to report that he had been attacked. 40 minutes! When police arrived at the apartment where he stays... While filming the Fox show, Smollett said the rope he had still tied around his neck was tied in a noose by his attackers, but it was slack, according to police. Then he took himself to the hospital where he was treated for cuts on his face. It is not clear if the person who called 911 was his manager, Brandon Moore, who says he was on the phone with him when the attack happened and corroborated his claim that the attackers shouted, this is MAGA country, because... Chicago is magic, MAGA country. You know what I mean? Highest murder rate. Highest rate of gun violence from gangs. Highest rate of drive-bys. That's MAGA country. I'm sure they're all 2 a.m. Around, around Chi-Town in the Chi-Town heat wearing some MAGA hats. I don't know if this is a privacy issue or what, the policeman says. But interestingly enough, he decided, yeah, I'm going to spend some time before I decide to call 911. And, you know, it starts to fall apart. The video shows him walking, no rope. And then a minute later, he's got a rope around his neck, walks to his friend's building, calls 911. 40 minutes later, still got the, no- still got the noose around his neck, although it's not really a noose. It's just kind of more, more like a, you know, old school, uh, rustic, shabby chic necktie. I guess. Still don't know about the bleach. Haven't heard about the bleach spray. You know, apparently he was spilled with bleach because they were trying to make him white, I guess. Maybe they're trying to clean him because they thought he was gay. I, I don't know. But it's, it's interesting when you get into the details of this because when he first came out with this, he didn't really mention anything about the MAGA incident, and then he added that in. And like Reason Magazine reported, they looked for this. They couldn't find anything on him as far as, you know, what the original police reports had stated. They didn't state any of that ever happened. He's adding that in, and that seems to be justifiable for his cause, given his propensity to not really be the biggest Donald Trump fan. And of course, I'm not a Donald Trump apologist by any means. I didn't even vote for the guy. But I'm also not going to attack supporters of Donald Trump simply because somebody makes a claim. Give us some evidence. 
You know, a, a top African website. Here we go. Top African website is not um, 100% about this incident. In fact, they go on to say, um, you know, they, they go on to kind of question the whole thing. They say, um, you know, we do not believe that this incident even happened as far as, you know, a Trump supporter goes. So we have to really kind of look at things objectively and not get wrapped up into what someone is insinuating because we don't have the details. I mean, police think that there's something fishy about his story and have inexcusably trivialized an attempted lynching with an appalling characterization of a rope is what um, Gerald Beer had said. He is a writer for the uh, Washington, uh, well, the Wall Street Journal and also National Review Online. But it's always the case with the MAGA hat. We talked about that. If you're wearing the MAGA hat, you're automatically a target. You will be vilified. And I've seen this just talking to people online, average, everyday people. You know, I had one person who said, well, you know, the Covington kids, they had it coming. Why? Oh, because, you know, they're white, come from an all-boys school, so there's some sort of evil patriarchy thing. And then on top of it, oh, they were wearing those MAGA hats, We're basic, which is basically a KKK gown, you know, KKK hood. Um, maybe they just support their president. I mean, the fact that the media has been successful in vilifying those hats is a testimony to the fact that the media has more influence than people want to give them credit for. You know, a lot of times people will tell me, well, you know, Fox News is the highest rated news organization out there for 24-hour cable news. I don't care. I don't really like Fox News. But, yeah, their ratings are higher. But let's talk about reach. When you take the combination of CNN, who has contracts to play in every airport in the area, in the world, basically. When you take MSNBC, CBS, ABC, NBC, NPR, Huffington Post, whatever the case may be, you take the combined assault of those different outlets, bundle them together, and they're all parroting the same thing? What do you think is going to be the narrative? Do you think the highest rated one cable news channel is going to be able to say, hey, this is all garbage, don't believe it? Or do you think if the average individual is perusing the 24-hour cable news networks or trying to find out what's going on in the, in, in the news and they go to Washington Post and they go to New York Times and they flip on CNN, they flip over to MSNBC, they get home from work, they decide, hey, I'm going to sit down with my kids, maybe watch some Jeopardy and some Wheel of Fortune. They turn it on a little early. They get some uh, NBC Nightly News or they get some ABC World News. And all of a sudden, every single outlet, everything that's read, everything that shows up at the hotel doorstep from the McPaper, the USA Today, everything that shows up is saying the same thing. Do you think that number one catered or catered or that number one rated news channel is going to be the one catering to the actual truth? And everybody's going to say, oh, all those other 50 plus outlets, we're just going to not worry about what they say. We can discredit all that because Fox News said that it wasn't true. So obviously the narrative, the narrative casting by the bundling of news works. It's effective. And I see it within people I deal with on a day-to-day basis. And the fact that they were able to vilify a red MAGA hat 
as being something that's going to attack indigenous people or gay black stars from TV shows like Empire and that they're out there on the prowl, even though Antifa is showing up, attacking people, throwing bombs that are throwing bottles with, you know, Molotov cocktails, bottles filled with gasoline and flame, you know, I mean, it's insane. They go out there and do their black block, pushing the dumpsters through a crowd. That to me is more concerning, and the news media is more than happy to hype up the Antifa protesters and support them. Be sure to follow us on social media at Rants Out Loud and at Adrian Slade Show on Twitter. Search Adrian Slade on Gab, Parlor, MeWe, Mojo Five-O's exclusive social media site. Also on Convo and Snippy. Look up Snippy, search Adrian Slade, find us on all social media, also on Facebook, search Adrian Slade, read the blog, adriansladeshow.com. Get over to the site. We'll be back in just a moment. Stick with us. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. Leftist outrage leaves no bounds. I mean, it's amazing what leftists get outraged about. Check this out from the New York Times, and this is going to get really interesting when you put it into the perspective of today's politics. Mary Poppins and the nanny's shameful flirting with blackface. Mary Poppins Returns, which picked up four Oscar nominations last week in an enjoyably derivative film that seeks to inspire our nostalgia for the innocent fantasies of childhood, as well as the jolly holidays that the first Mary Poppins film conjured for many adult viewers. Part of the new film's nostalgia, however, is a bound up in a blackface performance tradition that persists throughout the Mary Poppins canon. From P.L. Trevor's book to Disney's 1964 adaptation with disturbing echoes in the studio's, in their newest take on the material, Mary Poppins Returns. One of the more indelible images from the 1964 film is of Mary Poppins blacking up when the magical nanny, played by Julie Andrews, accompanies her young charges, Michael and Jane Banks, they go up the chimney. Her face gets covered in soot. But instead of wiping it off, she gamely powders her nose and cheeks even blacker. Racist! She's trying to exploit the blackface. Not really. They're chimney sweepers, for God's sakes. Then she leads the children on a dancing exploration of London's rooftops with Dick Van Dyke's snooty chimney sweep, Bert. So now, working as a chimney sweeper automatically makes you a racist for blackface. And there's a metric that goes with this. Because here's the interesting thing that I see about Mary Poppins and blackface. When you put it into the lens of how Millennials judge everything. Think about how they judge this picture in this restaurant. The story was, I don't have the story in front of me, but I read it enough to know, and you really don't need to read the actual details without stabbing yourself in the eye a couple thousand times. But basically what it was, was a couple sitting at a table, and they see this old picture from maybe like the 20s or 30s. You know, a group of people that just got off work. They're working in the coal mines. You know, I I think of Zoolander when, you know, they're like, I got the black lung. You know, I mean, they're coming out of the coal mines 
and they're sitting down and having a beer, and there's a photo taken of these people, these coal miners, to which one of the people dining at the table automatically assume they're racist. So we've been able to get outraged about Mary Poppins, about coal miners from the 20s and 30s, drinking beer, getting off work, tying one on, getting a little loose because, you know, they want to get loose like a loose Springsteen after working 14, 16 hours in a coal mine in the dark with the soot. But now they're racist because millennials are snowflakes. They don't know history and they're constantly offended by the dumbest things. But yet when it comes to something like Ralph Northam, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, Mr. Infanticide himself, Mr. Pediatric Doctor, who basically said, yeah, you know, if there's a mental health issue, if the infant, notice he said infant a lot. We played the clip the other day on the other show, the show last week. Basically, he's saying the infant, if it makes it out the birth canal and, you know, you get it comfortable, if you have to resuscitate it, we'll get consent on resuscitating a living being. You know, you wouldn't just normally do that if somebody fell out in a department store. You wouldn't start doing mouth to mouth in the, you know, the 30 compressions and, and getting right to keeping them alive. We would have to get consent. You know, no one's calling up Grandma Eunice and saying, hey, yeah, your daughter, she's about 45. Yeah, she fell out in the uh, Sears. If there is a Sears still left, she fell out in the, that's like saying she fell out in the Montgomery Ward. If she fell out in a Target. Do you mind? Should we? Resuscitator, do you have a DNR on this person? Because apparently you have a DNR on children that aren't born yet. But apparently we're looking at the fact that, you know, we're going to keep them comfortable and then decide whether or not your mental health is up to it. You know, maybe, maybe you're worried about career choices and your economic hardship about the baby that was just delivered. You were just going, uh, I don't know how I'm going to afford this baby. Well, guess what? <laughs> They were hoping that they could pass this so that they could turn around and say, hey, you can now abort this child. And remember what I said. This is very similar to the bathroom bill. The bathroom bill was something that they dry ran in these municipalities that were progressive. You know, they go to somewhere like, you know, Columbia, South Carolina, or they go to like Wake County, North Carolina. And these things get implemented without any sort of judicious review or leg legislative review against what is in the state code so that when it gets brought up on the state level, it just gets shut down. People just go, but we can't do this. It flies in the face of the state. And guess what they look, they get looked at as now they're looked at as being intolerant. They're these evil people because they don't have the compassion to, and the concern to allow people who identify as other genders into certain bathrooms. That's where we're sitting at with this whole thing. And that's what they do. They're doing this now in a coordinated effort with these infanticide abortion uh, laws. You know, they passed it in New York, no problem at all. They lit the freaking, you know, the tower up pink. But Vermont is in the mix right after Virginia knocked theirs down. And Vermont's abortion bill goes further. They pointed out the other day, Vermont goes all the way to creating an absolute right to an abortion anytime in the pregnancy and for any reason with no limitations as to the method. For those who might have missed it, here's a pertinent portion. 
The General Assembly intends this act to safeguard the right to the abortion in Vermont by ensuring that right is not denied, restricted, or infringed by the governmental entity. Every individual has the fundamental right to choose or refuse contraception or sterilization. Every individual who becomes pregnant has the fundamental right to choose to carry the pregnancy to term, to give birth to the child, or to have an abortion. A fertilized egg, embryo, fetus shall not have independent rights under Vermont law. That's Vermont. Guess who else is in the mix? Rhode Island. Rhode Island is considering a bill legalizing abortion for post-viable babies. The state's Reproductive Health Care Act, H5127, bars the state and any of its agencies or political subdivisions from interfering with a woman's decision to abort a pre-viable child, post-viable child, when necessary to preserve the health or life of that individual, according to the bill's text. This measure was introduced on January 16th, and it's going to the floor next week. So we're looking at all these things where we're starting to see a trend, a coordinated effort to push infanticide. And I don't know what the reasoning behind it is. I don't know if they're worried about Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying and the fact that judges on, on state and uh, you know, federal circuit courts are being brought in in droves conservative judges and maybe RBG dies and we replace him with Amy Coney Barrett and suddenly the paradigm shift in uh, that situation has changed. I don't know. But one thing we have to be weary of is the fact that these things are on the march, whether we like them or not. And then we get certain things that show the real character behind the people involved. Ralph Northam's yearbook page shows a man in blackface and a KKK robe. This is from my own hometown newspaper, the uh, Virginia Pilot. A photo of Governor Ralph Northam's medical school yearbook shows two men, one in blackface and one in a Ku Klux Klan robe and hood on the same page as the future governor. The photo, which the Virginia Pilot obtained a copy of from EVMS, that's Eastern Virginia Medical School, from its library, comes from a 1984 yearbook. The year Northam graduated on one half of the page set aside for Northam, there is a headshot of him in a jacket and tie and a photo of him in a cowboy hat and boots and a third of him sitting casually on the ground, leaning against a convertible. The fourth photo of the page has two people, one wearing a white Ku Klux Klan robe and, he, and another with a hood on, and the other one is in blackface. I don't know if he was going, Mammy! I love my baby, I love my honey, I love my ragtime gal. I don't know if that's where he was going with this, but basically he's uh, also wearing a white hat and a black jacket, um, a white shirt and a bow tie, plaid pants, holding canned drinks. Basically saying, the quote was listed as saying, there are more old drunks than old doctors in this world, so I think I'll have another beer. You go have another one there, Mr. Northam, because guess what? When people sit there and go, I can't believe you people dug up these photos. You know, he was just at Halloween. You know, he wasn't like a Hurricane Katrina victim, like the Florida Secretary of State that just resigned. Oh, he was just hanging out with the Robert Byrd impersonator. I don't know. 
But you know what? If the metric is going to be held, if the standard is going to be held across the board, somebody who we've, I didn't vote for him. I voted for Ed Gillespie. I don't even like Ed Gillespie, but I knew what kind of progressive Ralph Northam is. A gun-grabbing progressive who his gun-grabbing measure fell flat. He's also somebody who has questionable integrity, and we've seen that with his blackface and the fact that he doubled down on infanticide here in the state of Virginia. He took it personally and complained about it. So my thing is we need to keep two things in mind. We have to keep morality in mind because the morality of people saying, oh, well, you shouldn't use guns in school because we got to worry about the children. Oh, we have to worry about, you know, you're going to use that up against we're going to kill the kid when he comes out of the birth canal. What kind of double standard is that? And so we need to keep that in mind when we're looking at the character of our elected officials. You know, the Virginia governor is a one term, you know, uh, office. So if he gets batted out, well, then whoever replaces him replaces him. He can't run for reelection. But that also means that if he doesn't and he doubles down, whatever he does, it's like having a lame duck president. We have to sit there and take it on the chin. But we also have to remember these rules are not dictated by us. We didn't make these rules. The left did. And we should apply these rules across the board. Sponsor for this portion of the program is Cat Coolers. Cat Coolers, the heavy-duty cooler. I mean, this thing's like a rock. It's like Gibraltar. You can dump ice in it. The ice will stay there all day. Maybe you go fishing with your family in the bay. Maybe you're out on the ocean. Maybe you're going to the beach. You want to take your family out. You want things to stay cold. Maybe you have a crew. You're going out to the job site. You want them and your lunch to stay cool. Cat Coolers is where you can go to get the best coolers of all. Catcoolers.com. Use the promo code Adrian for 10% off. And you're also going to help Adrian Slade show um, in the process. So get yourself a cat cooler. Catcoolers.com. Promo code Adrian. So Governor Ralph Northam is going to double down because that's what Democrats do. They don't take responsibility for anything. They're not held accountable to anything. They don't have integrity for their office or integrity or reverence for any sort of elected class because, and that should show you something between the power structures of both parties. The GOP is basically there to hold chairmanships and, you know, they get a hold of control of the legislature. Like, you know, the, uh, they get a, control of Congress. They don't do anything. They don't pass anything. They don't get anything done. The Democrats, they seek power, ultimate power. That's why they want globalization so much because they want to rule it all. But they seek power. And when they get it, they do not let it go. And ever since Bill Clinton doubled down after his impeachment and did not resign like a Nixon would, well, then we get what we get. There hasn't been a Democrat since that has resigned, not like the Florida Secretary of State, who was a Hurricane Katrina victim, you know, for Halloween back in 2008, pretty insensitive, dressed up in blackface. Guess what? He resigned. Northam? Nah, he's not going to resign. He's going to double down. Virginia Democrats put this out. We made the decision to let Governor Northam do the correct thing and resign this morning. We have gotten his word back, and he will not do so. <laughs> so he's not going anywhere. And we shouldn't have expected anything less. Remember, this is the same governor who, when he was running for office up against Ed Gillespie, endorsed an ad that the Democrats paid for. He actually put funding behind it, depicting Trump supporters as redneck, 
truck driving racists driving their big truck around with a Confederate flag looking for immigrants and brown people and no problem with that. But yet this same idiot is going to go out there in blackface or even a KKK hood. You know, either one fine with this guy. What's even funnier about this whole situation is Northam says he's not even sure that that's him in the pictures. He wants to use facial recognition software. You know what? No, you don't get that. You know why? Roy Moore didn't get the yearbook signature expert to check that out. So you know what? You know you're involved. That's all I'm going to say. You know you're involved. This guy, unbelievable. And presidential hopeful Kamala Harris, Kamala, Kamala, tomato, tomato, I don't know. She actually tweeted this out when Ralph Northam won the governorship. Congratulations to Ralph Northam and his team for showing that Virginia won't stand for hatred and bigotry. No, they'll just pose in yearbook photos and blackface and KKK hoods. That's all. I don't know how the facial recognition software is going to cut through the the hood of the Klansmen. Maybe they'll find a way to have it removed and you'll find out it was an African-American. You ever see those clips? I think Mr. Show did a skit on the blind KKK guy who uh, was actually uh, black. I know Dave Chappelle did too. I mean, but that's the thing. These people are just completely obsessed with power. Now, I think we need to go back and listen to some of the depravity of the left as far as what he proposed with infanticide, with the abortion issue. Let's listen to, and I played this clip on an earlier show. Let's listen to this clip again from the creator of Shout Your Abortion as she's talking to kids in school, trying to convince them that, you know, abortion's not a biggie, not a big deal. Do you think that sometimes it's not okay to have an abortion? I want to say if, like, if you're being reckless, if there's nothing wrong going on, I don't know. I just don't agree. Hmm? Just listen, the kids make more rational sense than this loony nutbag. Um, so what, what are, are we, we here to talk about, about today? today? <laughs> well, I had an abortion. Oh. Hmm. So what do you know or what have you heard about abortion? I don't exactly know what happens, but like you go and basically get rid of the baby from inside you. How, what have you heard? That. Same thing. Have you ever talked to somebody about abortion before? I actually wrote a paper in fifth grade about it. Wow, what was yeah. your paper about? Abortion is okay. Uh-huh. And it also depends on like what's happening and why they got, they got the abortion. So yeah. you think it's okay depending on the circumstances? Yes. Hmm. Why did you have an abortion? A few years ago I got pregnant and I really didn't want to have a baby. May I ask, what happened? Did he not wear a condom? Did the condom break? Was it pre-ejaculation? Such good questions, Vanessa. Vanessa. Um, Thank you. He wasn't wearing a condom. Why well, wasn't he wearing a condom? Have you ever had two options and one of them like seems easier at the time? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, you could take a shortcut or yeah. you could go the long way It was way the shortcut around. version. Mm. What did your partner think at the time? You know, I think we were both like bummed out that I got pregnant. And he was just like supportive of what I wanted to do. Were you reckless at the time? Um, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't really say that I was being reckless. Mistakes happen. 
Yeah. And and sometimes you just don't do that in the moment. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm glad. <laughs> when you have an abortion, what exactly do you do to like have the abortion? You go to the doctor and they put this little straw inside of your cervix and then inside of your uterus and then they just suck the pregnancy out. And it was like a crappy dentist appointment or something. It was just like, ah, this is like a body thing that's kind of uncomfortable, but then it was over and I felt really just grateful that I wasn't pregnant anymore. Yeah, no biggie. Kind of like going to a dentist appointment, you know? You get a tooth pulled, you get a life pulled. I don't know. Maybe you fill in a molar and you take out a baby. You know, this is the morality that they somehow rationalize. You know, it's, it's mental health, which is the reasoning behind why we need to have children aborted. Because, you know, the mental stress of not being able to pursue your career or you might be in financial hardship, which will be a burden on the system, is the reason to kill a life in their eyes. Which is amazing because that shows you who their God is. Their God is the government. Their God is a collection of bureaucrats who might as well be called Molech. If you remember who Molech is, he was the God that they sacrifice babies to. <laughs> I mean, this is who they are. And they do this because they don't want the system to be wear down, but yet they have other things that they want to get morally righteous about. You know, they want to get righteous about lifestyles that they want to live that may not comport with your religious beliefs. And then they want you excommunicated from life because of it. And that's where we get into with the LGBTQ advocates. You know, they, they, go, they get self-righteous and they think that just because you don't agree with them, that you're evil that you're hateful, and somehow you're hateful and evil, even though you want something like babies to live. I mean, listen to Ellen Page. She made that, I guess, some uh, queer vacation documentary on Netflix or something like that. She's on uh, Steve Colbert. And of course, she has to bring the entire mood down. She has to kill the mood. She has to be the one who drops the bomb in the middle of the room, the Debbie Downer. She wants to uh, crop dust the party. She basically has to be the one to completely pee on the entire fun of a late night comedy show. Listen to her talk about Mike Pence because they all cannot stand Mike Pence. He is the evil anti-gay guy who doesn't really do anything and doesn't really say too much, but he's the guy we need to attack, you know? Never mind the fact that he doesn't want to be in a room uh, away from his wife if alcohol is being consumed, which should be a good thing for the Me Too movement, but he's a sexist because of that. And he has deeply held religious beliefs, but, you know, he's hateful and bigoted because of that, because they want your acceptance, they want your approval, they demand your acceptance and approval, and you will give it to them or you will be deemed an outcast of society. So, yeah, listen to her destroy the entire mood of a late night talk show in just a few, what, a minute and a half? Yeah, this is fun. I'm like really 
fired up tonight. This, but is how, this is how you have to be fired up. It feels up. impossible to you not feel this way right now with yeah. the president and the vice president, Mike Pence, who like wishes I couldn't be married. Let's just be clear. <laughs> the vice president of America wishes I didn't have the love with my wife. He wanted to ban that in Indiana. He believes in conversion therapy. He has hurt LGBTQ people so badly as the government of Indiana, and I think the thing we need to know, and I hope my show, Gaycation, did this, in terms of connecting the dots, in terms of what happened the other day to Jesse. I don't know him personally. I, saw, I sent all of my love. Connect the dots. This is what happens. If you are in a position of power and you hate people and you want to cause suffering to them, you go through the trouble. You spend your career trying to cause suffering. What do you think is going to happen? Kids are going to be abused, and they're going to kill themselves. And people are going to be beaten on the street. I have traveled the world, and I have met the most marginalized people you could meet. I am lucky to have this time and the privilege to say this. This needs to stop. See, the obsession with the left over Mike Pence and his wife, Karen Pence, isn't because it's the second lady or the vice president. It's because of the fact that they're Christians. I mean, first off, they went after Karen Pence because of the school that she teaches at. She teaches at a private Christian school. And they said, look at the anti-LGBTQRS whatever. Look at the, the mandates that they put. They won't let your kid in. They won't let you teach there if you are LGBTQ. No, basically... They kind of include that in an uh, encompassing umbrella of promiscuity. They don't want you hooking up on the side and then coming to you know teach at a Christian private school. First off, they're a private school. Secondly, they're a Christian private school. They're not going to mosque and they're not telling them, hey, you know the, what you're teaching in the uh, Islamic school. At the Islamic Center, because a lot of times that's where the schools are. You can't teach about how Allah wants to kill gay people. That, that never comes up. But it does come up with Christians. It does come up with Karen Pence to the point that a D.C. school refused to, to play sports against the team where Karen Pence's you know, school is, where she teaches, citing anti-LGBTQ policies. See, the morality has flipped all the way around on their end to say, you are evil and hateful if you don't accept us, if you don't bring us in to your world. But killing babies? Nah, no biggie. Taking a life? Nah, not worried about it one bit. Christian Shall, I guess she is a self-proclaimed comedian, actress, writer. She's one of those blue check marks on Twitter. She says, sending love and support to all of those closeted students at Karen Pence's anti-LGBTQ school. They are wrong. 
God loves you, and I do too, to which I'm probably sure she doesn't even care about God because the majority of them are atheists. They have no care for their creator, which is why they're more than fine with doing what they're doing. They're more than fine with killing babies. They're more than fine with doubling down on power, going out and being caught, doing racist things in their past, in blackface. None of that means anything as long as the the power is acquired by the right side. You know, marginalized people, they're going to go back to being the, uh, the arbiters of marginalized people. They're going to be the ones to be looked at as they're fighting for the little people when actually they despise the little people. They just want the power. I'm Adrian Slade. I appreciate you tuning into the show. You can listen to the show on Mojo Five O. It is the edgiest and newest conservative libertarian talk network every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also on Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Midnight, Sunday morning, Eastern Standard Time. And on Sunday at 5 p.m. Check out the podcast. You can check it out on Mojo Five-O's Spreaker page, Spreaker.com. Or you can check it out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeart Podcast, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, anywhere podcasts are hosted, you can get the uh, free Adrian Slade Show podcast. Be sure to rate it. Give it a five-star rating if you can. That helps bring it up in the ranks. You can also check out the blog, adriansladeshow.com. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Adrian Slade Show or at Rants Out Loud. You can also find me on other social media platforms, Facebook, Gab, MeWe, the official Mojo Five-O social media site, Parlor, also on Snippy and Convo. Search Adrian Slade. You could also donate to the show, patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show, or go to anchor.fm and donate. We'll see you guys next time.